Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. All right, this is part three of a series we've been doing on the Feasts of the Lord, God's timetable for the last days. And I shared with you last week the Hebrew year 5782, the year of the lion's roar. Now, if, when you're, if you're in the lion's pride, I shared this morning, if you're in the pride of the lion, when you hear that roar, it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's my protector. He's out there, right? The women do all the work in the pride, right? They do most of the hunting, and the big shot guy, he just hangs around and scares everybody. But it's good. And when, when they're working together, all works together. I think I've been told that a lion's roar goes five miles. I think a hyena only goes two miles, right? And so... There's something about the lion's roar, and this 5782 in the Hebrew calendar, which began September 7th, that first number, five, is the revelation and the grace of God. I always get excited. Many times I see 555, I wake up at 555, and I'm like, wow, that is the multiplication or the grace of God. It's the favor of God. So five is the revelation and grace. Seven, you know that perfection, right? It's perfect. It's the perfect number, seven days. And multiplication also means multiplier in the Hebrew languages. And also the eight is new beginnings or new life. And then two is God's strength. It's the house tabernacling in the flesh. He's going to tabernacle with us in the tent of meeting. Come and be. So this, when you put that all together, the lion's going to roar, the revelation and the grace of the perfection and the multiplication of a new beginning and a new life where God is our strength in the house and dwells with us. That's what this year means in Hebrew. So you ought to get excited. And so finishing this up, when you start looking at the feast days, if you look at your handout, at the top there, it says, I think we've pretty well, between Neil and myself the last several weeks, I think we can clearly agree that the first four feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks were all fulfilled in Messiah Jesus' first coming. No question. The exact, exact date. So that gives us a lot of confidence that probably his second coming is probably lined up with the other three feasts of trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And so I believe, now some of you, let me just set the clarifier of this one. Some of you, remember these, we we talked about hills to bleed on and hills to die on, right? If you challenge me about Jesus being the Savior, there's some other way to have, no, there isn't. We're going to, you're going to, we're going to die on that hill. We're not negotiating that. My mind is closed. This is the way it is. And so, okay. But there are hills that we can bleed on. If you believe once saved, always saved, okay. You can show scriptures. That's the tension in scripture we talk about. And so there are other things that you might have disagreement on. One of them might be, um, well, I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. I believe in a post-tribulation rapture. I don't believe in any rapture. It's all going to pan out. Okay. Um, however, I'm going to show you what I believe based on Scripture. I've studied this for several hours, days, now weeks, <laughs> of uh, why I believe we're on the verge of the disappearance or the rapture of the church. Now, let me just say, if you want to, this is a hill to bleed on, so, you know, you don't need to give up on this, but if you believe there's a pre-trib rapture, and it could happen at any moment, because all the things that are fulfilled right now that said, it's fulfilled, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, 
you're probably ready with your bags already packed. But if you're one of these mid-tribbers, posters like, well, yeah, he'll, he'll let me know when it gets closer, right? When we start to see the Antichrist, I'll, I'll clean up my act. Man, I have had people tell me, I'm not ready to get saved. I got time. I got things I want to do, and I'll get saved later. Whoo, not a good plan. So I just want to give you some thoughts that if you're a pre-trib rapper, I think that you're like, there's this pre-trib rapper. That's, that's him over there. <laughs> that's Brenton. He's the pre-trib rapper. And you'll hear him in the tent. Wow. I couldn't rap if I wanted. I can't even rap presents. <laughs> My wife does all that for me. Praise God. All right. So if you are a pre-tribulation rapture believer, you're probably like, man, things are looking a little interesting. I'm going to give you some scripture here. Let's go for it. First of all, um, we believe that these are appointed times and that if we look at trumpets, let me just kind of clarify these three remaining feasts. Trumpets is where the the trumpet sounds, right? That's that place we're going to look at some scripture where the trumpet sounds and the trumpet time is that feast. And then there's this season which we're in now. There's this time of atonement. It's that 10, we shared last week about what the Hebrews believe, the Jews believe. There are three books, right? There's the book of the righteous that they're already believing in God. Then there's the book of the unrighteous. And then there's this time of the in-betweeners, right? That if they'll do the atonement, if they'll evaluate themselves in that time, that whole time of Yom Kippur and asking God, reflecting, reflecting, they can move from being a in-betweener unbeliever into the book of righteousness, now, if you put this together in an eschatologically kind of a view where how does this end time thing work? There, if there's a trumpet sound and the dead in Christ rise, the church goes up, and then there's this period of seven years of tribulation. And in that period of time, there'll be folks that says, wow, grandma was right. And they get saved, right? Unfortunately, they got to go through it. But then you'll see what is, the, what is really, there's no, we're going to look at, there's no discussion of the church from Revelation chapter 5 on to, tri- to Revelation chapter 19, actually, the only thing, you, what is the instrument on earth? It's the Jewish people. Remember the, the, the 12,000 from each tribe? And they become these super evangelists. Have you, re- have you ever read Revelation, right? So the instrument, if there's no discussion of the church, even though the church is mentioned, I think, 19 times in the first three chapters of Revelation, and then, so we're going we're gonna to dive into this, and I believe but that you cannot get past any of what we're seeing without first acknowledging that the, the land of Israel, Israel as a nation, is a key measure. It is key measure. Let me, we've studied this before, but I just want to, I took, uh, Pastor Terry actually pulled out Derek Prince's end time prophecy, and I've been meditating on it this week. And this is what Derek Prince, who gave the prophecy over southeastern North Carolina in 1975 that there was going to be a move greater than the Welsh revival, that kings and queens would come and study this revival, that he, we had found favor with God in southeastern North Carolina. So he gave that prophetic word. And we know that nothing happens if he doesn't first reveal it to the prophets, Romans uh, in Amos chapter 3. So the prophetic, and there's been tons of others, right? So we know we're in a place where God wants to do something. It's wondering is, does he have any people that he can work with? in the midst of it? Are they hungry enough? Or do we have the, the Nazarene characters who see Jesus as who? Well, he's just, you know, he's the carpenter, and he couldn't do many miracles there. But once we get a group of people that say, no, he's the Messiah, and he wants to bring revival, then what happens? Okay, here's what Derek Prince said. 
Um, he's with the Lord now. But he says he set the stage. This is the beginning of what we look at God's appointed time. It looks like, whoa. Jesus told us, Matthew 21, Luke 20, uh, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. You may, you're not going to know the day of the hour. I don't even know the day of the hour. Father does. But you'll know the season. Now, here's what Derek said about the season we're, we're entering. The stage is set for a decisive intervention of God in history. The ingathering of the Jews in their own land on May 14, 1948, after so many centuries of struggle, the modern state of Israel was born. Of the countless prophecies in Scripture that refer to the close of the present age, all without exception assume one thing in common. The presence of Israel as a nation in their own land. Until Israel was thus restored as a nation, none of these prophecies could be fulfilled. Now the way is open for the fulfillment of them all. Out of these prophetic visions of the end time, one of the most complete is found in the last three chapters of Zechariah. I would like you to turn to the old time prophet. If you've not, I encourage you to read this a few weeks ago. But look at Zechariah chapter 12 with me. Actually, we'll, let's drop back. I'm just going to quickly summarize this because we've been down. But you want to get excited, read it. This was written 600 years B.C. Prophet Zechariah prophesied what would happen in the end. And he summarizes a whole bunch from chapter 10 through 14. In chapter 10, the Lord says the Lord will restore his people. They will grow so, look at verse 8. They're going to grow so numerous as they were before Though I have scattered them like seeds among the nations, they will return and remember me in the distant lands. They and their children will survive and return again to Israel. Okay, so that's pretty big, right? Verse 12, my power, I will make my people strong. By my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. So the restoration of Israel prophesied in Zechariah 10 that they're going to come back from all the nations. That's consistent with Ezekiel. It's consistent, right? Okay, look, uh, look at chapter 11. This is the discussion, or at least the prophecy. Look at verse 13 of chapter 11. The Lord said to me, throw to the potter the magnificent sum of which they valued me. So I took the 30 coins and threw them into the potter in the temple of the Lord. So this is the fulfillment 600 years later. During the betrayal, Judas goes and sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The Pharisees say, well, we can't, that's blood money. So they throw it and buy a potter's field. 600 years before Christ, that's fulfilled. Okay, now keep going. I want you to see the exactness of these prophetic words. Incredible. Chapter 12, the future deliverance of Jerusalem. This message concerning, verse 1, this message concerning the fate of Israel came, to the, came from the Lord. The message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth. And form the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger as they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem. And on that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Now, we read last week, I know I'm feeding you with a fire hose, but some of this ought to be review. But in Romans chapter 11, we said, when the exact number of Gentiles has come in, right? Jesus also said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you'll know that the time has come. And so, you know what happened in the Six-Day War, right? In 1967, when Jordan had control of Jerusalem, and the British 
the downfall of the British, I'm going to handle this in a minute, happened when they turned their back on Israel. They stopped being a, new, a superpower. It was a specific date, and I'm going to share my thoughts on that. So you see this. It's this place where during the Six-Day War, they take back Jerusalem. You know now, our prior president, last year, last president, he acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital. He also acknowledged the Golan Heights. And look what happened. Our nation was on a prosperity route, right? Because what happens? Genesis 12, 3, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. You show me one nation that has come against Israel that's still blessed doesn't exist. They're gone. So let's see. The stage has been set. So we see this we, when in Zechariah. Let me finish Zechariah uh, 14. So they come, and they, they look at the one whom they have pierced. I love this. In Revelation, uh, I'm sorry, Zechariah, back to 12. Zechariah 12. I want you to see that this. Zechariah 12, 9. On the day that we, they begin to destroy, all the nations will come against Jerusalem. I will pour out my spirit of grace on the prayer family of David and the people of Jerusalem. They, the people of Jerusalem, will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as a firstborn son. This is a fulfillment of Jesus on the cross when they killed him and they took the spear and put it in his side. So there's, again, 600 years before Christ, the total fulfillment of Jesus' first coming. So if Zechariah got that part right, how about the rest? <laughs> okay. There's going to be a nuclear war. If you look at chapter 13, the fountain of cleansing. In fact, I, I can't spend much time here this morning on this. But if you look at the, the one of the things that's most concerning, especially to the Israelis, is if you have an enemy like is uh, like Russia or China, they're not after self, you know, they don't want to be destroyed. When I was in the nuclear submarine service carrying all the Trident missiles around, we had this thing of uh, mutual destruction. <laughs> if you mess with me, I'll destroy you, we'll destroy you, and then nobody wins, and so let's, let's not destroy anybody. But if you've got an enemy like Iran who says they want to usher in the 12th Imam, they're waiting for, they want nuclear war to destroy the earth because that will usher in their Messiah. And so those 12thers is what they're called, is, is what I believe is described here in verse 7 through 9 there, about two-thirds of the people, verse 8, two-thirds of the people will die in the land. They will be cut off. There's a time coming. There's a war coming. In fact, if you read this, Israel has nuclear weapons, and at some point they've also said, we will not go quietly in the night. If you think we're going to have another holocaust, you got another thing coming. You mess with us to the point where we're not going quiet. And so there's a point, if you look at some of the rabbis have told us in, uh, in the Isaiah war, Isaiah 17, it says there's a place where Damascus will be no more. And there's this place where there's likely the fulfillment of nuclear war that's going to take place in this time when they come against Israel and they overrun, because two-thirds of Israel's people are destroyed here. I don't want to be here for that. Hello? So we see in, it's going to get better. You cheer up. You're looking really like, oh, great. This is really great news. You got any good news this morning? Cha yeah, the good news is we, I don't believe we're going to be here. All right, chapter 14. For the day is coming, verse 1, watch, for the day is coming when your possessions will be plundered right before you. I will gather the nations against Jerusalem. Verse 3, the Lord will go out and fight 
those nations that have fought in times past, times past, on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split open. That's the second coming, right? And so we see this. It says, on that day, life-giving water will come. The king will be over the earth. He says, look at verse 12. The Lord will send a plague on the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their people will become like walking corpses, their flesh rotting away. Ooh, all right. Now, the good news, verse 16, in the end, the enemies of Jerusalem will survive the plague, will go to Jerusalem each year, and they will celebrate and worship King of the Lord of Heaven's armies and celebrate the Festival of Shelters. Oh, the whole world's going to... So, all right, I want you to see that there is a specific thing, and it centers around the nation of Israel for the fulfillment of prophecy. Let me just quickly clarify for you what happened to the British. They were the world superpower... In 1947 and 1948, Great Britain tried to lift the stone of, of, of Jerusalem and got severely injured. How significant? The British Empire, this is Derek Prince, he was a British soldier. British Empire can be traced back to this very point in history. When Britain laid the stone down, the stone, they handed over Jerusalem to the United Nations. They sent 100,000 troops in and supported the Arabs to put down the revolution that was going on for freedom in Israel against the Jews. They put in troops. It was called the, you can look this up, the Operation Agatha in Jerusalem in June 1946. They arrested Jews. They, they, at that point, you can see a turning point. Boom. Then they turned this over to the United Nations. And at that point, you got the rest of this mess. Let me give you one more hint. Another one, some of you may know, you want to study history, study the history of this. Ariel Sharon was the prime minister in 2005. He was the one who agreed under President uh, Clinton, etc., that we, they would divide and give Hamas, well, they actually would give the Palestinians, they would give them the, uh, West, the, the Gaza Strip. When they negotiated that, that's in 2005, they started the negotiation. In 2007, Hamas took over. They're the anti uh, Israelis, right? They want the destruction of Israel. There's been no peace, nothing but rockets flying every which direction. On, in 2006, Ariel Sharon had a stroke. He came against, I believe, my personal opinion, he came against God's plan. You will not give away my land. And he had a stroke in 2006. He stayed in a coma for 10 years, and he died. Anyone who comes against Israel, that's why you need to pray for this president. You pray for this administration because we're tied to this. And so I believe when we see Israel in this whole picture, now the British were motivated by oil. They wanted Saudi oil, but they came against Haganah and all of the places. They refused to allow, even after the death camps were identified in 46 and 47, they refused to allow the immigration of, of many Jews into Israel. They blocked it. I'm telling you, we have to be extremely careful. Okay, that's enough history there. I just wanted to make you aware. Israel's important. You need to pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Israel. Now, let me finish what I believe is on our timetable here. Back to the outline. You cannot get to this without looking at Israel as the timetable. National Israel. We read that last week in Romans 11, that you're grafted in. We're the wild bunch, Right? But it's all one new man. It's the one new man, which is Jew and Gentile. He looks at us together. We're one big family. Okay, 
Why a pre-tribulation rapture? Why do I believe this is right on the door? And number one there, I've listed some scriptures you're probably familiar with. But let me first define what is rapture. In the Latin, number two there, raptura, rapio, it's used, that, that word is used 14 times in the New Testament. And it means to be suddenly removed or snatched away. Number three, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Let's, uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. And let's begin, let's uh, start in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you'll not be grieving like people who have no hope. That's great. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. You good with that, right? Pretty direct. We tell you this directly from the Lord. This is not Paul's opinion. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In the air. In the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Let's keep going. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful, secure, and disaster will fall on them suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. Look at verse 4. But we're, you're not in the dark about these things. Aren't you glad about that? A lot of folks are saying, yeah, there's a lot of world stuff that they're in the dark. But you're not in the dark about this. And you won't be surprised. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. I like that. Some people, well, we won't know the day of the hour. That's true. But you're not going to be surprised. We know the season. We're ready. Bags are packed. I'm ready, to, I'm ready here. I got my ticket. When the day of the Lord comes, stay alert. Verse 6. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert, clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep. You get drunk. Let's live like those who are clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wavering as a helmet with confidence, not wavering as a helmet of love and salvation. King James says this in verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, New Living says, For God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. So you, you guys are going through the tribulation? I'm hanging on that one. He's not pouring out wrath on me, and he's not angry at me because you know what? It says in Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5, I read it this morning, yesterday, it says 11 times that you are the righteousness of Christ because of your faith in Christ. In the judicial system, it's supposed to work this way. <laughs> when you're innocent, you're not supposed to get punished. Is that correct? Right? So in the legal system, it's supposed to work that way, right? If everything is just. And so 
The same thing, do you think he's a more just God? He's just. Do you think he's going to take your children? When you discipline your children, I, you know, one of my kids would, I, I would find the guilty one, and that one would get the punishment. I didn't punish the non-guilty ones. He's a better father than I am. So why in the world would he send the wrath poured out on the whole world to try and test the whole world and judge the world when you're already righteous and you're innocent? That just doesn't make, I mean, it doesn't pass the, to me, it doesn't pass the smell test. So let's, uh, let's look at this again. Let's, let's go on. He says, verse 9, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, God chose to save us, appointed us not to go to wrath, but obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. So you'll, we who are dead or alive, whether when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage yourself in these words. Okay, 1 Corinthians, got to move. 1 Corinthians 15, I know. Keep writing, you'd be going to be all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Well, I had a Corinthians in my Bible this morning. Oh, there it is. Hallelujah. Okay. Woo. Praise the Lord. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 51. Man, this is so good, all of it. All right. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Wow, that's like, that's really fast. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. Trumpet is blown. Trumpet is blown. You're going to change. That's why I'm... Can you imagine, we get under the tent, and it happens? I don't know if you've seen the Left Behind series. What is all these pile of clothes, right? Like, I don't know why we have to be naked going out of here, but I don't know. It's just my thoughts. Like, but all these piles of clothes under the, and they come and say, what happened here? Ah, it was aliens. Let's get ready. This whole lie about aliens, that's just a setup. Oh, my gosh. Now they're releasing all this new... Yeah, we've been seeing aliens for a long time. Kevin. Yeah, it's just... Come on. All right. So, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die, or mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal. Then you'll be... These dying bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Man, it's going to be awesome. All my wrinkles and all my fat deposits are gone. I got a transformed body. Gray hair. Neil, I don't, I don't know. We'll probably not have it, right? Praise God. I don't know. Anyway, I just get excited. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where, where's your sting? The sin that results in death, the law that gives its power. Thank God he gives us victory over sin. Death is gone through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Man, so you're just going to get like, yeah, come on, all right? Jesus, thank you, Lord. That's a promise. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Go back. Romans 5, and let's look at verse 9. I'm just trying to give you confirmation why I believe. Romans 5, verses 9. Much more than now being justified by the blood. That's why you're righteous. You could look at Romans 3, 4, and 5. Count the number of times it says you are righteous, been made righteous. He, he, you're righteous. 
Now, I don't know how that works. God, I don't think I'm that righteous. I'm trying. I'm he goes, it's my blood. It's not your works. It's not by your works. It's by my grace because you believe in me just like Father Abraham was counted unto him as righteousness. Therefore, you are righteous in my eyes, right? There's no sin. It's like, what? If I confess my sin, he's faithful to forgive me. Okay, much more than being now justified by the blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath through him. For if we then were enemies, were then, we were reconciled by God by his death of his son, how much more will we be reconciled by his life? Come on. You are reconciled. This doesn't make sense. Why? That you would be put through all the... Okay. It's getting better. Our God is not an abuser. He's not an abusing father. He's not like that. Not at all. Right? He's a righteous, caring. He's the high tower. I will keep you. Run to me. How about this? Turn with me to 2 Peter. I know. Bible. Bible, Bible, Bible. Okay. Turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I love this verse. Chapter 2, verse 5. 2 Peter 2, 5. And God, 2 Peter 2, 5. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and seven others in the family. Noah was warned of the, world's, of, of the world, of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world and, and the ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made an example of them to ungodly people. But he also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man and he was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man and was tormented in his soul by all the wickedness. Are you tormented today or what you're seeing? I am. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue God's people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. Now, if God can rescue Lot now, he did it different ways. He put him in a boat. The rest of them all drowned. He took Lot, got the angels. Come on, Lot, get your family over here. Don't be looking back. Don't get your, get over here. Well, I can't get there. I got to go. So he said, okay, okay, come over to this little village. I'll see you. Well, and the angels pretend. It's amazing. God is so patient, even with all of our complaining mess. He is able to rescue you. So we see this over and over. He's like, come on. All right. There is a clear warning. If you look at this, there's a clear warning in Scripture not to be carnal. Number five there, there's a clear warning in Scripture not, that you got to be ready. Don't you be carnal and don't you be lukewarm. In fact, he gets a sick stomach when you're lukewarm. And so he's appointed not to have wrath. There's another Scripture, Nahum, we won't turn there. Nahum 1-2 says, he keeps us from the wrath for his enemies. He puts the wrath on his enemies, not on us. All right. So let's look at number one under biblical arguments for the pre-trib. The church is not mentioned in Revelation chapter 6 through 18. Totally absent. That word, ecclesia, yeah. Ecclesia, thank you, mama. Thank you. Ecclesia. Easy for you to say. Ecclesia is used 19 times in Revelation 1 through 3 and then again in Revelation 22, 16. Nowhere in Daniel's 70 weeks is the word term church used, Daniel 9, Revelation 4. 
God's human instrument on earth will be the Jews. That's the moment. We're coming to the end of the church age, and we're about ready to enter into this place. It's about to change. And that instrument will be the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to give the devil fits. Number five, God protected his people from wrath poured out. Pharaoh, we just listed a whole bunch, Noah, Lot. For number six, the New Testament, God warns the church vigorously about the coming error, false prophets, ungodly living, endure through present trials, but he's silent about the church in tribulation. Why is that? He's so clear about everything else. Because we're not here. I, I believe, I'm just, I'm, I understand, you can have your opinion, and we'll just leave it there. Number seven, John 14 parallels, I think, 1 Thessalonians. He refers to a place, I'm going away, don't you be troubled. I'd be troubled about this tribulation. Don't you be troubled, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you. Right? He told us that in, re- in uh, John 14. He tells him twice, don't be troubled. He also says, make sure you're ready. Number eight, I love this, Revelation 3.10. Turn with me there. In Revelation 3.10, well, let's begin in verse eight because I think there's something about doors, open doors, closed doors here. In Revelation 3.8, it says, I know all things that you do. He's speaking to the church at Philadelphia who have the key of David. The one who has the key of David is Jesus. He says, I open doors and I close doors. And then he goes on, I know all the things you've done and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you've obeyed my word and you did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they're Jews, they're not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Verse 10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from, from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become like pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. I will write their name on, as name of my God, and they will be my citizens of the city of my God, New Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. I will write them a new name. Anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. King James says, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Verse 10, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation which will come upon the world to t- try them that dwell on the earth. We're not dwelling here. <laughs> I mean, just trying to read the word as it says. I mean, okay, look at, um, go on to chapter 4, verse 1. Well, no, let's go to verse 20, 320. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? So there's these doors he's opened. Jesus says, I got a door, I'm knocking, open it. Verse 1, chapter 4, Revelation. Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And then you have the revelation of the wrath being poured out. Come on up here. The door's open. Twinkling of an eye. Here we go. Up like, And now we get to watch the panel like, oh, my Lord, what is going on down there? So this is that place where 
we see the day of the Lord is coming. Look at number eight. And that Revelation 3.10 reveals the church will be removed, kept from the tribulation. The day of the Lord is approaching, and Jesus told us very clearly to watch and be ready. We don't know the specific day or the hour, but we know the season, Matthew 24.32. So let's be eager and to his return, be found working when he does return. So I believe what's next, the trumpet blast, the atonement that's going to take place over a season on the earth to try those that are here, and then he's going to tabernacle, he's going to come back, he's going to take this guy, he's going to throw him in the barbecue pit, lock him down, and we're going to be here dwelling with him, right? That's where we're going to be. So that's how I see it. Um, if, if you want to study those scriptures, look, and let's trust that God knows that we are the ones that he is going to protect we know that, regardless. Even if you're a mid-tribber, post-tribber, um, God's going to protect in the midst of it. So we're pan-tribbers, right? It's all going to pan out because we belong to Him, right? So let's stand. I want to invite, it's 1201, I want to invite our ministry team. If you'll come up, you know who you are. Just a quick announcement. Pastor Terry, wave at me. If you are part of the ministry team, and you were not at the breakfast this morning, you know who you are. You've been trained and released. We want to make sure your name is on our ministry team list. That's for insurance purposes. So see Pastor Terry. Make sure your name is there. If you've not filled out a ministry agreement sheet recently, you need to see Pastor Terry, right? So that we, you're all being released in the 10 ministry team members and those who are part of the prayer team that does deliverance. The inner healing folks, you know who you are as well. And if you've been on a mission trip with us, that includes you, but you got to make sure that Pastor Terry has your name on the list and you filled out. So if you would see him, that would be really good. And then you're all on duty. <laughs> so 6 o'clock Tuesday night, we're going to start. We're going to start by gathering. The, the Agape tribe will be in the tent playing. 6 o'clock, the processional team. That's So all of the, have your kids here. They want to be part of children's ministry. We will have, if you have, a, if you have a shofar, bring your shofar. We're going to have a processional. We're going we're gonna to march over. So the youth group, children's ministry, processional, dancers. We're going to go from, we're going to meet on the patio right here in front of the church here. And then we will, we're going to watch the traffic as people come in. And then we're going to march over to the tent, blowing the shofar. We're going to be carrying, didn't she do an amazing job? Parthena. We're going to have the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to bring, it's, all symbolic, all symbolic of what the Lord's again, and then we're gonna we're gonna stand. Those who have learned the dance, the days of Elijah, pray for me. I've tried two Saturdays. I'm working on it. Anyway, I'm gonna be like David, do the best I know how. Anyway, so I want to invite you all come, and then please, if you're gonna camp out, you got to see Sarah. Not anybody can just come and put up a tent anywhere. Okay, you need to see Sarah. There's some rules about that. Um, we will have security here, so, but you're on duty. Keep your eyes open. Be praying, looking for ministering. The food trucks, Pat B. has done a really good job. The food trucks will be parked out here. We're going to block off the front part here so you won't be able to drive in front of the sanctuary. They'll be blocked off. The food trucks will be there. So you can come in either here or in Abaco Lane, and you'll be parking in this section, and you can park in that section. The back of the church will be roped off as the fire marshals, the kind of things that are going on. And so 
You'll be able to come in either way. We prefer that one, but if you come in this way, it's fine. Find your parking spot. If there's overflow and there's not enough room, you can park at the uh, Korean church, which is adjacent to us. It's the first turn in as you're coming down College Road this way. We've gotten permission from the, uh, from the Korean pastor to park there. We also have permission at Lowe's to park there. And we've got one shuttle, right, Sally? Did we get two shuttles? We got... Okay, we did reserve another. So we, we're hoping that, um, anyway, but if you could carpool, that would be great. Don't miss it. Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night, come to the tent. You know, this is not a time to be sleeping. This is a time to be 24-7. We're here, right? Praise God. Be praying for the speakers. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. We, we just want you to send your spirit and that there would be of if anything that people find when they come to the tent of meeting is they find that Jesus is love. They, he says, you'll be known by your love, not your religious rules, not even your crazy freedom. You'll be known by love. But so, Lord, we ask that that would be the calling card. And so we thank you. We've already prayed for your protection and covering. We'll continue that. So I bless what you're doing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come for prayer if you need it. God bless you. Don't forget men's group tomorrow night and women's group.